This week on Stay in the Truck, we're going to preview college football week one. We also have a special guest on the show, Carl Johnson from the MGM Sportsbook at the Beau Ravage. So grab you a cold beverage and let's go. Welcome to Stay in the Truck, the ultimate podcast for sports enthusiasts and avid gamblers alike. Each week we'll provide you with invaluable insights, analysis, and tips to elevate your game. We can be found on all major podcasts and social media outlets. See the show notes for details. Stick around to the end to hear this week's most boneheaded sports moments with our Stay in the Truck Awards. So let's jump right into this week's show. So guys, I am super pumped about this week. We have football Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, and Monday. This is week one of college football. What are your takeaways from week zero, Jeffrey? The Navy defense was terrible. The Notre Dame offense was good. Notre Dame, they beat Navy 42-3. to Notre Dame covers. The game goes under, unfortunately, thanks to two missed field goals, one by each team. I had the total at 50 and a half, and you see they only scored 45, so damn kickers. So Sam Hartman looked good. Yeah. You know, the defense looked really good. It pains me to say this because I am not a Notre Dame fan, but Notre Dame actually looked pretty good. They did. They did. They surprised me. I didn't think they uh, would steamroll Navy to that degree. I mean, I saw them winning, but uh, certainly not like that. And, you know, we talked about um, Navy getting away from the triple option and going to try some stuff. So Al Golden, the defensive coordinator for Notre Dame, he come out, I think it was yesterday, and said that all this practice they did on Navy, there was only four plays that they knew Navy was going to run. So, yes, Navy changed the offense and still couldn't execute against Notre Dame's defense that, that didn't know. Navy's a dumpster fire. I told you guys last week Notre Dame was going to walk all over them. I said, bet Notre Dame to cover. It's not even going to be close. I was right. Navy is so bad. I mean, there were 3-7 and seven last year. They didn't do anything to really improve. At best, they got worse. I don't even – they'd probably be lucky to go three and seven this year. At best, they got worse. At yeah. best, they got worse. Yeah, I know I'm guys who, who bet over five wins for the season. Yeah. They're in They're, they're in trouble. It's already been adjusted so, to three and a half. I'm so. not jumping on the uh, Notre Dame bandwagon no. with you just yet because Navy is so terrible that I'm not, I'm not throwing my chips in. I'm not ready to give Notre Dame the keys to the city. You know they're going to go two and zero. They got a yeah. they got a flop this Texas, next week. Texas, Tennessee State, or something. Yeah, like that. the week after that they'll go to. I think they go to NC State. Anyway, it's NC State on the ninth. NC State it will give them a game, at least something uh, a little bit of a challenge. And if they walk over NC State, we'll really know how good they are. Yeah, I mean their defense did. They held Navy to one hundred sixty nine yards, forty three passing yards, and no touchdowns. They only threw what six times? Something like that. Yeah, it was yeah. like six or eight times. So yeah. it was something ridiculous. So yeah, they didn't change their game plan much like we thought they would. So so let's move on to USC and the uh, San Jose State game. What did you uh, guys see there? Other than uh, USC's defense still needs some uh, work, no doubt. They gave up three hundred ninety six yards of total offense to San Jose State. Yes, that is the San Jose State. 198 yards passing, 198 yards running. Allowed them to average six yards a play. And, Jeff, what would you say? Seven? 7.3 yards per rush. Whew. Good luck playing a decent team with that defense. A national championship contending team did that. It, Good. Nothing's changed. 
Good job, Bear Alexander. Yeah. Way to go from Georgia. Did you see where he uh, came out on the news this week and they asked him uh, how he felt about USC's defense after leaving Georgia and being on that defense going to USC? And he said, it's the same. <laughs> oh, my God. Not, yeah. the same. Yeah. Not the same, kid. Good try. Yeah, when they're rotating in and out, uh, let's, it allows you to catch your breath, make a few more plays. So uh, now he's in on every play. Good luck, Bear Alexander. I hope you're in uh, tip-top uh, cardio shape. Here's the thing. Uh, I, I looked into San Jose State, and I, I looked up on some of their stuff, and we knew their quarterback was a veteran. He came back. We knew they were going to score. I, I actually said uh, the USC would win big, but they weren't going to cover. But here, here's the big takeaway for me for this game. Uh, obviously, Caleb Williams played well. He didn't play as good as he should have against the San Jose State defense that I thought was was somewhat not great. He only had 278 yards passing. And 78 or close to 78 of those yards was on a, on a flop play where yeah. the running back knocked yep. the ball out of his hand. He picked it up and chunks it all the way down the field and just happened to have a guy there. So right. um, I thought I, I thought Caleb Williams, obviously we know he's going to come around, but I thought yeah. he actually looked kind of bad to me, honestly, when I was watching the game. But their freshman. 18 the, of 25 for 278 and four TDs. I didn't but, see what you were seeing, I guess. But. Well, he was scrambling for his life, throwing some check downs, throwing to some guys that were uh, past their route at the point of playing yard football, yeah. just get open football. They're not it, going undefeated. No, it didn't look – it didn't flow. And so I would like to take back my pick from last week of USC. <laughs> Possibly making it to the Final Four. So, uh, so I think we're all in agreement he is not – on the Heisman train this year. No, I don't well, say I'm not gonna say that. Caleb Williams still could be on the Heisman train. He oh, he's gonna put together. up he's, stupid numbers. He's gonna, I mean when they have to score fifty six points a game, but he's let me, gonna put up some the big takeaway, you know who might get on the Heisman train? That freshman. The freshman, Zachariah Branch. That kid was the number one receiver coming out of high school. He uh what do he have? He had uh four receptions, fifty eight yards, a touchdown. He averaged fourteen and a half yards a reception. Yes. He he's he's good. On top of that he had a 96-yard kickoff return yep. for a touchdown and a 66-yard punt return plus one receiving touchdown. So that kid is legit. Uh, he's one to watch. I think he put himself on the map this week. He runs a 10, 300 meters out of high school and a 21-second 200 meter. For those of you who are not track guys, a 21-second 200 meter means he's getting to full speed and staying there. So the kid can motor. I like him. I like I like the way he looked. I wish he was on the East Coast <laughs> with them dogs. But before we get off the game, though, yeah, like the total, the total come out at sixty two and a half. Got bet all the way up to sixty six and a half. Mm -hmm. These two defenses, they combined to give up basically a thousand a thousand yards. Yeah, a thousand yards. I mean, I I don't see how anybody. How number one, why the defensive coordinator. Alex Grinch is still the defense coordinator. It's just because Lincoln Riley. I don't know what he has on Lincoln Riley, but that That's is some not some of them pictures. He's got those Urban Meyer pictures in his back pocket. That's right. I, I, I do have a question for you guys. Mm -hmm. So this junior, um, Quali Conley, for San Jose State, he had 108 yards on six carries. Why? That's my question. Why did he only touch the ball six times? Well, because they got down 21 points. Yeah, so they I mean, were just in a hurry to come back with that running clock. They didn't have a choice. They yeah. had to throw the ball. But that's why – I mean, they had to get away from the running game because the defense couldn't stop USC. I mean, it was just – that's just how it all worked out. But moving on, guys, let's talk about the uh, the end of the golf pool season. Unfortunately, it came to an end last Sunday at the Tour Championship in Eastlake where – Victor Hovland at a plus 450. He was the second favorite there behind Scotty Scheffler. He shot a 63 in the final round, becoming the third youngest FedEx Cup winner. 
He was making birdies at the end when he didn't even need to make birdies. Yeah. It was a hell of a show down there on uh, the back nine Sunday between him and Shoffley, though. I mean, that was must watch must watch TV there. Well, the the whole round. I mean, so Shoffley actually shot a sixty one. Yeah, he pulled away. From, Hovland was pulling away from him a little bit on the front nine, though, from what I remember. And then, but but back nine, man, it was uh, must see TV to the last three or four holes. But look look at these stats for Hovland though: fourth in strokes gained putting, first in strokes gained off the tee, first in tee to green. First in total strokes game. Four wins in a season, that's Tiger-esque from the old days. I mean, he won the Hero World Challenge, the Memorial, the BMW, and the Tour Championship. I mean, guys playing lights out, not to mention he finished tied for third at uh, TPC, tied for seventh in the Masters, tied for second in the PGA, 19th at the U.S. Open, and 13th at the uh, British Open. He's in top 20 in there, all uh, four majors. Good luck. I don't uh, know. He looks like a force to be reckoned with going forward. Now, now the downside to, to the golf tournament was – Scotty Scheffler, who was two strokes up on the field, you know, starting the starting the tournament, the favorite to win it, he ended up finishing T sixth, thirtieth in strokes game putting, yep. last in the field. He was third T to green, like he's been in the top three all year long, T to green, and but putting is killing him. Well, here's the thing: so he he finished up averaging sixty eight point six five scoring average, so that's seventh all time. We all know who the one through six is, right? The big cat. Yeah, for our younger listeners, because you made a reference to who? You said you said Hovland was Tiger Tiger Woods, y'all. Oh, no, Tiger. For our younger listeners, can you who is who is Tiger? Our younger listeners. Right. <laughs> how old we have so how many. young do you need to be? I mean, my eight year old knows who Tiger Woods is. Here's, Come on, man. Here's the thing. This guy's so an icon. Th- this cat shoots he averages a sixty eight scoring average. And he's having a horrible putting year. Where well, I mean, what what could have been, right? Yeah. Well, I pulled up Scotty Scheffler's stats. Uh, just end of year, basically all of the tournaments he's played this year. He's first in strokes gained off the tee. He's first in strokes gained approach to green. He's sixth in strokes gained around the green. And then going back to what Jess said, a hundred and fiftieth in strokes gained putting. So the guy is an absolute menace until he gets on the green, and then he puts like a blind man. Just imagine imagine if he was half better. Imagine if he was 75th. Imagine how many tournaments he could have won. Right. I mean, but, yeah, golf season's over, and um, what, they've changed the schedule now. It doesn't start till January now instead of Yeah, it's November a true calendar a, year yeah, true season calendar now. Year. Yeah. So, that, so are they still starting off in Kapalua? And, but, yeah, they'll start in January. They're on a full calendar year back again. They used to start in the fall. They've gotten rid of that, so they're back to the full calendar year. So they got a little bit of time off, play the Ryder Cup, and then uh, get ready for January all over again. So switching gears now to Major League Baseball, uh, from college football to golf to baseball, let's uh, talk about the Seattle Mariners, who have been on an absolute tear since the All-Star break. They've gone 30-14, and 14, and they are now tied for the AL West by one game over Texas and Houston. Uh, they were six games back at the break and 16-1 and one to win the division. Current odds are plus 165. So, obviously, the Rangers have gone ice cold. They've lost nine out of the last 12. But what are you guys seeing in the uh, Seattle Mariners? Julio uh, Rodriguez is just on a tear. He's carrying the team. They're pitching. Look, they traded their closer at the All-Star break. They traded their closer and, like, two more guys. So, everybody's thinking they're just going to sell, right? No, didn't happen. I mean, they played terrible baseball the first half. You know, they were a playoff team last year. So they they had high hopes. If the damn Seattle Mariners win the AL West, it's going to hurt my little pocketbook. 
because I've got the Astros <laughs> bet, and I don't. And it's ridiculous. Your really. little pink pocketbook. I was looking at my MLB. No, it's orange with an Auburn logo. Well, the Mariners have a great pitching staff. Uh, they just weren't getting offense the first half since the All Star break. The Mariners have uh, second best offense in ba- baseball by OPS. Uh, and the second-best pitching staff by ERA behind Toronto since the All-Star break. So uh, kind of interesting finish to the season for the Mariners. The last 10 games, they've got seven games versus Texas and three games versus Houston. So that could decide the AL West right there. Yep, something baseball put in a couple of years ago. You know, they want to keep these games. They want to make them mean something at the end, kind of like what the NFL did a few years ago when they changed the division games to the end of the the end of the year, so everybody's just not sitting out and all that. So it's going to be a great race. Uh, got to got to be pulling for the Astros. So. Got to be pulling for the Braves. Go Braves! Yeah. Well, hey, listen, hey, right. if I can get the Astros and Braves in the World Series together, you you can make out like a bandit. Pink okay. pink pocketbook would hey, be loaded. Might again. get me a bigger pink. I might have to get a bigger pink pocketbook. <laughs> did anybody see the news on this Little League World Series finish? Pretty awesome. Yeah, what a hell of a game. Oh, my gosh. So, this kid, Lewis Lappy, do y'all know the backstory that led up to this championship game? So, let me, let me give you this backstory real quick. So, so the Little League World Series is a double elimination tournament. And Lewis Lappy's team out of California loses to Texas. Well, you can only pitch eight innings mm-hmm. in a certain time frame, right? And so, if they were to make it to the championship, that gives them three more games to play. So, they come back the next inning. And they pitch Lewis Lappy, who's their all-star, six foot one, twelve-year-old. So they pitch him three innings in the next game. Did you say six foot one, twelve-year-old? Six foot one, twelve-year-old. Wow. Check his ID. They pitch him three innings after their loss to Texas because they need to make sure they win this game. He only strikes out nine, and then they pull him from the game in three innings. So then they go on to win that game. Then they go to the semifinal game, and they're up against uh, was it Texas again? They played in the semifinal game. Yes, so they played Texas in that semifinal game before they got to uh, Curacao. He pitched five innings in this game, struck out ten. They win this game. So now they're heading to the Little League World Series Championship against Curacao, and then, and, and he can't pitch. Can't pitch. He's pitched his eight innings. Does MLB have an NIL deal for their uh, Little League guys? <laughs> they, if not, they're about to. This, kid, this kid's a star already. So they get to the final game. And uh, he's he, he can't uh, he can't pitch. So how's he going to contribute? Well, he gets on base early and gets knocked in, scores a run, and then Curacao comes back, hits a grand slam down yeah. five to one, up ties the fifth, ties yep. ties it five to five, and then Lewis Lappy comes in, walk off home run to win the fucking Little League World Series. All right, so let's welcome a special friend of the show, Carl Johnson. Carl runs the sports book at the Beau Rivage in Biloxi, Mississippi. Look, I'm just going to jump right in to the, uh, to the tour championship. Victor Hovland, he wins the FedEx. He won $21 million in the last two weeks. How was the action down there on Hovland? Yeah, you know, so, uh, look, he's one of those players that, you know, if, you, if you've been betting golf the whole season, you, he's just always right there. You, generally, you can get a good number on him. Uh, you know, we didn't have any, any huge tickets on him to win the event. Uh, but we were steady with Hoblin bets, um, you know, in, in the round matches. Hmm. Uh, and, and interesting enough, so he picks up he picks up the win. He, you know, he he wins twenty some odd million dollars, which is which is nice. And then uh, 
you know, and looking at, at my futures masters preparing for today with you guys, you know, he is the only one in the field right now that we've adjusted on. So uh, we've adjusted him from uh, 25 to one to 15 to one right now for the 24 masters. Ooh, that's a pretty big move. That's a big move. Uh, but, but like I say, he's, you know, he's a, he's a type of guy that, you know, I guess starting this year, people started betting him uh regular and uh you know they're going to continue to do it now how about him shooting a 28 on the back nine at yeah. the bmw <laughs> you, you know look a lot of people don't know this about me but uh th that was my first career uh, you know i was an athlete in, in in high school wasn't good enough to to play baseball at a higher level got hurt and then i focused on golf and i actually turned professional in golf when i was 20 uh and you know i tried to play i traveled around for four and a half years couldn't get it to the to the next level so i, I got into the business aspect of it so i i kind of know what these guys are feeling you know um you know it's a it, look golf is a, a a strange sport you know just like with scotty sheffler uh you know his putting struggles so you know the, the chip and the short game the play it don't matter how much golf how much practice that you put into it it's just always something little that can come up uh you know those guys are they've been playing this their, their whole life they're used to to uh to, to overcoming those things uh so i mean you know you get hot you shoot 28 on one side and you know you can shoot 36 on the other in the same day so it, it just depends on how you're feeling yeah, I saw an article the other day where he teamed up with, I guess, a new coach, Joe Mayo. And yeah. uh, when he started the year, he was 191st in strokes gained around the green. And then when he entered the PGA, he was 170th. And I guess he's got him getting a little bit steeper and using the spin loft when he's hitting those chip shots. And since yeah. the PGA, he's now 20th in strokes gained around the green chipping. So he's just yeah. incredibly gotten so much better at chipping and putting. And he says he's like lights out these days. Yeah, and, and you know if you look if you look at his full swing, I mean his feet actually slide. Hmm. You know, uh, uh, I mean he's got a he's got an un unorthodox swing. He's got a lot of lower foot movement uh, at at impact and through impact, uh, which ordinarily would give a person problems. But he does it the same every single time. That's the key. He can get to he can get the club face square onto the ball. Well, is Roy the favorite for Augusta, or is it Scheffler? Uh, actually, Rom. Rom. So, yeah, for us, we've got Rom at uh, plus seven fifty. Scheffler's at nine to one. Uh, Rory at ten, and then Brooks is at twelve. Yeah, Kepka. Yeah, I'm glad they put him on the Ryder Cup. That would have been a mess. Yeah, I mean, he he deserves to be on there. I mean, uh, Keegan Bradley too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me ask you about the NFL before we jump into Super Bowl futures and stuff. How bad is Arizona going to be? I mean, what are they doing? Are they just out like just tanking, you know, just loud and clear? Is that what they're doing? Yeah, I don't think they're going to be very good. Uh, look, I, I think they've got, you know, with when you see businesses start sinking, and I mean, that's what this is. I mean, they... They've got numerous issues. I mean, look how much money they paid, uh, you know, BB, I call him, the little quarterback. Kyler uh, Murray, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, they they sunk a lot of money into him, and he's 
and now he's on the pup list, and he won't be available the first four games of the year uh, at least at minimum. Uh, yeah, they cut uh, Colt McCoy, who was probably uh, the, the smartest guy in that quarterback room, uh, he, who, a guy that could help Kyler Murray. Uh, so uh, you know, I yeah, I don't see uh, I don't see much from them. Uh, I think their season what is their their season wins are at like four and a half. Yeah, uh, and I'll be surprised if they get to five. They're they're obviously a lot of things change because it's a long season as teams teams win and lose throughout the season. But right now, just looking at the initial setup, they're the underdog in every game. Oh. They have no they're not favored in a single game right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. They uh, to put it in perspective. Um, now I'm going to fine tune my power rankings. These are my personal power rankings. Um, I keep these separate from the the software and stuff that I use at work. Uh, I, I like to see the difference. Uh, they are they are 16 points uh, different than San Francisco right now, and that number is probably going to get higher when I tweak them. Yeah, because they're either going to end up with what the kid out of Houston tune to be the quarterback, or who, they just signed somebody else or something. But that is just crazy. But they're smart. They'll jump on Bailey Zappi coming out of no. Patriots. They just cut him. He signed back yeah. with them. Did he sign back? As practice squad, yeah. Okay, well, how about the futures for the Super Bowl? What, what's the biggest liability to you guys right now? The Jets, J-E-T-S? No, you know, it's uh, – so, uh, look, one of the things that uh, a lot of people uh, don't realize, uh, you know, and maybe it company-wide, so I'm going to give you my regional stuff. You mm-hmm. know, they – like they'll they'll bet me totally different than they will uh, TG up or Bagara. You know, I, I think last year TG told me that uh, his biggest liability was the Jets, and I had three tickets on the Jets, mm-hmm. and I don't think the total of a thousand bucks. So for us, you know, they're going to hit uh, uh, Kansas City, uh, they hit Dallas, uh, they're going to hit Cincinnati, and everything that Burrow does, yes. uh, just because of the LQ ties. Uh, and they hit Philly, uh, so that's th- those are my biggest liabilities, for, you know. Right now, the the good thing is is that, you know, there you can't get a really big number on any of those teams. So, uh, I, I'm a I'm a believer that this is going to be a real different year than what we've seen. I think the uh, from everything that I've looked at, studied, I think. The difference between the top team and throw Arizona out. Let's not even put Arizona in there. But I think the difference between the top team and the bottom team in the league is narrowing hmm. drastically. Yeah. Any given Sunday. Yeah. Well, how about uh, MVP wise? Is Burrow everything? One hundred percent. No matter what. It, no matter what you made the number, they're still going to bet it, aren't they? Yeah, him and Mahomes, I mean, that's what you're going to bet, you know. And, and to be honest with you, we don't get a whole lot of uh, of MVP bets. Uh, but the ones that we do get, you know, they're they're all Burroughs, they're all Mahomes. Uh, you know, every now and then we'll get a flyer on somebody that's maybe 50 to 1, but, uh, you know, just because they know the family or something like that, you know. Well, have, have you seen any of the, the sharp guys? Or have they made any big plays for the first week? Yeah, so uh, I got a little sharp report for you for the NFL. Uh, uh, right now, they're on Pittsburgh, uh, plus two and a half. Uh, they hit Atlanta, minus three and a half. Chargers, minus three. Uh, they hit the Washington under 39. 
the Tampa Bay over 45 and a half and the Jets under 46. You think That's it's right. safe to say that uh, the Commanders will be the only play for week one survivor in those survivor contests? Yeah, I, look, I, I, I'm going to tell you right now, it's uh, – I mean, personally, that's going to be one of the teams. That's one of the teams I'm watching this year because I think you're going to be able to get a good number on them all year, and I think they're good enough defensively where they'll keep some games close. I, I think they improved their team over last year. Um, and Pittsburgh's another one that I'm watching. You know, I like I like Pittsburgh. Uh, I like over the season win total. I mean, let's look. You, you can say what you want, uh, but – that job that he did last year, Tomlin, with that with that club was was, I mean, he could have won Coach of the Year. Yeah, uh, I agree. And, and the same thing could be said, you know, at uh, at Seattle. I mean, if you know, they paper wise, they didn't have anything in Seattle, and somehow he managed to 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 get those guys squared up, playing pretty good football. I mean, not embarrassing. So uh, that's two teams that I think. Pittsburgh and Washington that I think I can get good numbers on all year. And like I said, I think the, you know, look, the, the, the public has, the public perceives the, for these good teams to be better than they are. And they perceive these bad teams to be worse than they are. That's just normal. Um, and I, I just don't think it's all the numbers that I've seen. I just don't think it's, I think that gap is narrow. Yeah. You know, I'm not much of a, NFL better. Um, I tiptoe, you know, just a little bit, just enough to get me in trouble sometimes. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe if I'm sitting around with these guys on a you know, on a weekend, like if it's a playoff game or something, I might get into it. But I've just never had a feel for that kind of stuff. I I just never know, you know what what I want to take the underdog as much as I can. But then again, I don't want to bet against the favorite. I just you know I, I try to stay away from it. Yeah, I I mean look if. It's hard to do because look, as 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 predominantly males in this industry that 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 bet the sports now, women women are we're getting more women gamblers all the time. So this is not nothing against them. Uh, in most cases, they're better than the men because us as men, we have that ego. Hmm. So it's something about us the way we're built where we can't walk into a building. Uh, you, you know, you're not going to bet uh, the Giants. You're not going to bet Tampa Bay. You're not going to, you know, you won't bet the bad teams. You, you don't, you're going to come in, you're going to bet the Chiefs. You're going to bet uh, San Francisco. You're going to bet all the good teams. And I can tell you right now, if, if you was to walk into the sports book, pick the four worst teams that you believe is, is in the league and bet them every week, you, you would finish plus money. I promise you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and probably get some good numbers on them too, right? That's yeah. right. Absolutely. Look, this these lines are built on public perception. They, a large part of the way we build lines is to make you think a certain way. We already know that the general public thinks a certain way, and we just throw that in there to where you go, hmm, you know, Kansas City minus one at home against San Francisco. I like Kansas City wins a couple of Super Bowls. I'm betting Kansas City. And, you know, and I guess what I'm saying is more often than not, if you was to take the other side of that, you're going to be plus money. Well, looking back on um, the week zero in college football, how did the book come out? 
you know, we we we, we came out all right. Uh, we didn't have a great week. Uh, you know, the Sharps had a bad week, and, mm-hmm. and typically when the Sharps have a bad week, uh, the book has a bad week. That, that's their whole object is to get on our side of the counter. So, uh, you know, we won a few games, uh, you know, and I, I know you had asked me earlier, you know, if everybody was on Notre Dame, USC, and the over in USC, uh, you know, it was, it was the USC over was all public play. Uh, you know, it got there. Uh, you know, the, the USC game itself, um, you know, it, it was mixed. Uh, so, I mean, we, we did all right there. Uh, I, I'll tell you the game that probably uh, was our biggest loss of the weekend uh, was the uh, Vanderbilt Hawaii game. Yeah. Uh, you know, that was, uh, uh, that was probably our biggest loss of the weekend, but overall, I mean, for week zero, first week, we, we held our own. Well, this new clock rule, you know, the running clock now, except at the end of the first half and the last two minutes of the game. Yeah. How is it affecting these totals? Cause I'll just give you an example of what it got me in the, uh, San Jose state USC game. I had over 14 in the first quarter. And it's seven nothing right off the rip, right? Then San Jose State gets all the way down to the goal line, can't get the guys up there in time with nine seconds left, so they just let the quarter run run out. You know, a- after getting the first down, so I know that at least cost me a push in that game. You yeah. know, not to mention how these totals are going to be, especially on these big numbers. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, it, it, look, I think this takes some time. I mean, uh, I, you know, I. Uh, I can tell you this, I'm I'm probably not going to play. Definitely, I'm not going to play any first quarter totals until I've seen how this is affecting college football. Me, look, me and Michael Lombardi had this conversation off air, basically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I believe that the rules in college football, even if they're the same as pro football, I think they can, I think they can uh, have different results in the college game as the pro game. Uh, so I, what I, what we're looking at, we're trying to, right now, we're trying to get a base of how, how this is going to be affected. What certain conferences might not be affected by this, you know, uh, and actually, you know, the thought has come up, will that make more teams, you know, teams that are trying to extend the game, you can't extend the game running it no more. Yeah, you know, I mean, will they start throwing the football more? So it's it's pretty interesting, but uh, there's a lot to be seen. If I had to make a bet right now on anything pertaining to college football, I'm going to shade the under. I'm yeah. going to I'm going to look to play as many unders right now as I can. Yeah, there's some pretty, you know, uh, Auburn this week. I think it's like a 52 and a half on the total, and they got UMass. And I mean, there's, there's no way I'm like, they're not scoring those seven and a half touchdowns in that game. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You just, you know, and, and, and so the, the thought is, is that basically it's, it's going to depend on what UMass does with the football offensively mm-hmm. when they run the football, you, you know, it's, it's, and, and that's what I mean. You know, that's a big spread in that game too. That's 35 and a half points. I think yeah. the sharp money is on UMass. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that has to do with the clock. I do too. Uh, you know, uh, so um, you know, it's it, it it's going to be really interesting. It's going to that clock like that is actually going to make uh, these blowouts smaller because then you know, you, if UMass wants to run the ball 
50 times, they're going to shorten the game immensely. Yeah, so, you know, if they would have had this, let's say, two or three years ago when Navy really had that triple option going, Navy yeah. could have kept the ball the whole first quarter. That's right. That's a great point. You know, you take teams like Navy, uh, I think Georgia Tech's the same way. You know, the, you know when you see those – and I think that's why the, the Sharps are, are, are banging that plus 35 and a half. You know, if you mass runs the football at all, they're going to run a bunch of clock off the off the game. Yeah, I saw a stat that said that it had a six play impact. So I don't know if that's accurate or not. But yeah, and, and, and so think about that because you know th this is what most people don't understand, uh, especially when you got two good football teams. Let's just take uh, let's take LSU Alabama for example. Let's talk about that. So you got two good football teams, and you you know on, let's just say on paper. Alabama is better than LSU. These these football games are generally when you got two good teams like that, they're generally decided by two or three plays in the game. That's it. And when you start talking about the clock affecting up to six plays a game, that's 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 huge. Well, it's it's definitely something that I know I I, I learned a good lesson last week. You know, yeah. sitting there watching that, knowing that if that clock stopped, that, that's a first down. They're on the goal line, and they're probably going to put it in there, and at least I get a push out of it. But, yeah, that won't happen anymore. I mean, it took us one quarter of the USC game yeah. to say, oh, shit, this clock is going to change everything. Yep. Well, yep. I'll tell you, if Jeff had a visor on, he'd have done his best Steve Spurrier impression. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that's <laughs> a was, good betting advice for our listeners, though. Cussing and cussing. Play those unders wherever you can this year. So, I yeah, guess you guys – I think you got to lean that way. I really do. So this is, I guess this is where you, your power rankings, you have to factor in that whatever. Number. I still don't know how to factor it in. I don't know. And, and look, Carl, when you think about the power rankings like that, like do you, do the good running teams, do they, how much do they go up? And then how much do you dock the passing teams? I mean, what do you, how yeah, do you know? So, so look, this is what you, this is what you want to do. Uh, uh, so you want to, so take a take a piece of paper and write down that so this is going to be you got to go off of you got to go off eye candy you got to go off in other words what i see and the things that i see is going to be maybe different than how you see stuff that not that one person's right or wrong but this is what you want to do you want to take you you want to list the teams in order that you think are 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 top to bottom so you're listing the teams in order that you think are from top to bottom. Then you say to yourself, and for me, okay, I've got San Francisco on the top. I've got Arizona on the bottom. Okay. So there's your scale. Mm -hmm. Now what I'm saying is that what is the, what is the difference between this team, San Francisco in points and Arizona? So you get your top and bottom first. And then you start moving the number up, okay? So Texas is my next to last team. So I've got them about a point better than I do Arizona. You know, the I got the Packers way down. So I've got them about a half a point better. And you, you create a scale. And then every week when you watch a football game, you move that scale. If, you know, if San Francisco – so right now I've got San Francisco would be – a one-point favorite on a neutral site against Cincinnati. 
Somebody might have Cincinnati as a one-point favorite. I'm just telling you that that's me. So if they play that game, I'm gonna I'm gonna move that number based on what I've seen. If if San Francisco beats them handily, I'm gonna move San Francisco up a point, and I'm gonna move Cincy down a point. Now I've done created. Now there's three points of spread there. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what you have to do. You have to you have to find your top team that you believe, your bottom team, and think about what would be the biggest spread in that game. For me, it's like 16 and a half. Generally in NFL football, it ranges anywhere from, from 14 and a half to about 17. Hmm. And then you factor in the home field advantage, you're looking at 20 points for Arizona. Okay. Yeah. And then you just move it accordingly. What you're going to see is during the course of that year, you're going to see that, that top and bottom team probably that gap probably closed down. And you, as where I, I started as uh, a 14 or 15 point uh, range. Now I'm in like last year, I think I ended with a range of, uh, I don't know, 12 or 13. Hmm. So you just, yeah. you got to move it on. You got to move it every week. If your team, and another example too, let's say your team wins the game you know, let's say um, let's say the Bills beat uh, uh, Seattle and they beat them by two points at Buffalo. So uh, it was a win for them, but it wasn't a good win. You know what I mean? I might leave. I might leave that uh, the Bills right where they're at, and I might say to myself, you know what? Uh, uh, Seattle hung in there. I'm going to move them up a half a point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. Back to the SEC while we got while I'm thinking about it. What who's coming out of the West? Is it going to be LSU again, or is Bama coming up? Because these guys know I'm big on A and M this year. What do you think? Yeah, uh, look, I, uh, I I've got I've, well, I've got trouble with Jimbo personally. Yeah. I mean, you got Carl uh, scratching his head, Jeff. So that <laughs> yeah. can't be good. Yeah, I've, I've got uh, look, I've got coaching issues with Jimbo. I. I don't see any way that it can't be Alabama LSU. Um, I agree hundred percent. I'm on, I'm on your Jimbo train, <laughs> that guy. Yeah. I, uh, so, um, and look, I, and I hate to be like an LSU Homer or anything like that. I'm even though I'm born and raised from Baton Rouge, but I, I think this is a year where LSU can make a real, a real deep run. This is going to be an important game against Florida state. Uh, but they got the schedule to do it. You know, they got that, I think, in November, uh, uh, a November date uh, scheduled uh, to, to meet Alabama. Uh, so that's yeah, they got that circled, and that's going to that's gonna be their whole season right there. So uh, it's going to be interesting. I Look, I hope you're right. I, I would love to see three teams uh, be able to compete for that thing, but – uh, I, I don't see it on uh, Jimbo's got to show me some stuff first. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm thinking that, you know, they probably made him hire Petrino or may, maybe not exactly by Petrino, but I'm sure they told him, okay, Hey, look, enough's yeah. enough. I mean, yeah, I, I, I know for a fact he was given an ultimatum mm. uh, and then that's, that's basically exactly what happened. Yeah. Because I mean, it just gets all that talent year after year after year and you, I mean, it's just, they were just terrible, terrible the last two years. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, and I think Bob Petrino, you know, far, I'm not going to talk about his character or anything, but he's a great offensive mind everywhere he's been, except for the Falcons. But, you know, I don't even want to, yeah. you know, it's a little bit different. But Yeah, right. 
All right, Carl, I got a question for you. This one's a little personal to me, but uh, me and my friend Chris here have a bet on the uh, Colorado plus <laughs> plus minus over a win total. Uh, what do you see for that Colorado TCU game, and what do you see for Colorado's future this year? Uh, look, uh, this is this is probably the most common bet that we've seen at the counter. Uh, I'm, I'm a Dion I'm a Deion Sanders fan. Let me just say that. Uh, I mean, the, the people are running to the counter to bet uh, the over for Colorado. Uh, you know, that's that's all hyped by media. Uh, you know, they and I think it's unfair to Dion. I think, uh, you know, th- those people in Colorado are expecting Dion to win seven games. Me personally, <laughs> I, I mean, me personally, I, I can't find four. <laughs> that I feel confident about that he's going to win. I got him. Uh, I got him. Ceiling is three if they can get three. That's what I got. I, I think you're. I think you're thinking spot on. You're thinking against the public uh, because they're uh, they're betting that over like it was. Uh, you know, like they read it in the newspaper yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Well, Carl, I didn't. Uh, I wasn't fortunate enough to be on the trip to meet you with these three guys, but uh, eventually we'll meet, and you'll you'll begin to see that uh, just about all my thinking is against the public. <laughs> He's balling well, that's good. too, man. In more things that's, than betting. That's, well, that's, that's successful in this business. So if, if you can stay like that, you know, and, and put up with the heat that you're going to catch from everybody else, you, you, you're going to make some money. Well, I only went two picks in week zero, and I'm 2-0. and oh, So yeah. let's get go. this train rolling. Yep. Yep. Well, look, is Georgia going to three-peat? Uh, I'm not going to bet against them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm going to tell you, I mean, you know, I got asked that last year, are they going to repeat? Yeah. And uh, I, I said the same thing. That, look, this is, and that's after they had to rebuild their defense from the, from the first year. So uh, I'm hearing that uh, they're ready to roll, and I'm hearing that this is probably the best offensive unit that Kirby's going to put on the field, you know, for those three years. So, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, the thing about it is that they're going to be a double-digit favorite in every game they play, uh, you know, leading up to, uh, I guess, the SEC championship game. So, uh, their ske- the schedule's in their favor. Um, I don't see any reason. They're, they're going to definitely uh, uh, be a top-four uh, team at worst. So, they're going to have a chance at it. It's hell being an Auburn fan living in yeah. south of Atlanta. You know, it is yeah. it's terrible. <laughs> Doing a podcast yeah. with three Georgia. Yeah, fans. doing a podcast with three Georgia fans. That's even worse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I was going to ask you about that Florida and Utah game, but you, earlier today I saw they finally made official that Rising wasn't playing. But man, the, that that number has been from what ten to three, back to eight to six to seven, and now what? It's three and a half or something. Yeah. We the last I looked, uh, we was at four and a half. Four and a half. Yeah. 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 I'm still not sure Florida can get them though. Well, Carl, I got Florida oh, I, as my sleeper SEC team this year. Yeah, so he does think against see? the public. <laughs> Who, who's that? I've got Florida as my – I don't think they're going to, like, win the East or anything like that, but I've got them as my sleeper SEC team. I think Florida rebounds this year and surprises some people. I, You know, I'm I'm for that. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I'm not, uh, not going to second-guess that at all. I mean – uh, so I mean they have to they have to find out you know how they play football without Anthony Richardson over there. Mm-hmm. So uh, the rest of that the, the rest of that team I think was was improving. Uh, so I yeah I, I think uh, and just if you go by past history I mean 
you know, they hadn't been bad very long. So, uh, yeah, they get good athletes. They, they're well coached. So I, I'm not going to discount that at all. Did you what, hear what? that stat going on, though, about, like, this is Florida's first out-of-conference road game in 30 years or something? Yeah, it's, that's it's, I did hear something about it's that. It's crazy. I, yeah. What he didn't tell you, Carl, though, is he has him going nine and three. So it's not like he's high on Florida. He's real high on Florida. Yeah, that's 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 high. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's pretty high. And I tell you what, if they go nine and three, they'll be. Uh, I mean, they'll make a statue to that dude. Yeah, he ought well, to be coach of the year. I, I've got I, I, part of that is because I'm not sold on all the media hype on Tennessee and Florida State. And I'm not buying into it. I don't. I don't think Tennessee is. I mean, they'll be good, but I don't think they're going to be what everybody says. I, I, I'm not sold on this quarterback because you can throw a ball 80 or 100 yards doesn't make you a football player. It means you got a strong arm. Florida State to me just doesn't seem like as a complete team as they need to be. Uh, they just seem like they've got too many holes, even though they got some great athletes and a, and a veteran quarterback coming back. But I'm not sold on the hype. Uh, I think that the media is constantly talking about. Florida State, Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, LSU, Texas, Ohio State, Michigan. I think they're sleeping on Clemson. I mean, I think mm. Clemson's going to be in the playoffs. Yeah. And I feel like nobody's talking about Clemson. But, um, wow. hey, that's that's why we love the game. You know, we'll see what happens. That's so, it. You know, and there, there's several teams out there that, you know, they, they can make a run. And, you know, they, they, they play solid football, avoid injuries. They, they can surprise some people. And I think you're exactly right. I mean, one of the games that I'm looking forward to is that uh, that Tennessee-Georgia game. That's going to be, you know, that's the toughest game that Georgia has on their schedule. And it's, uh, you know, it's Tennessee season. So uh, they're playing them in Rocky Top. And, it, you know, I, I can't wait for that. So I've got a following on the, the Florida thing here. Let's just say Florida's a bust this year. Does does Napier have a job next year? Yeah, I think so. I Look, I think it would be crazy to get rid of that guy. That guy is a really good football coach. Um, and, and the reason that I say that is that, uh, you know, I had a long conversation with that's one of Lombardi's friends. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, I, there, there's something that I've grown to uh, know uh, when, you know, I listen to Lombardi. I, 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 that dude knows what he's talking about. A lot of people, a lot of people get upset with some of the stuff he says, but I know that that guy knows what he's talking about. So. Uh, Napier's a good coach, and that would be a huge mistake, in my opinion, if they got rid of him. I mean, he had Louisiana playing some football. Yeah, you no, know? and he, and he will at Florida too. You know, sometimes it just takes it takes a little bit to. I mean, look, he's he's not. I mean, he's not going to up against the the uh, high school teams. I mean, he's going up against the big boys. And Dan and Mullen, it, Dan Mullen just quit recruiting. Like there was nothing there. Yeah, it's it's tough to get that recruiting back. You know, he's got to he's got to win he's got to win back the state of Florida first. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, so that that's tough to do. Yeah, you know, when you when you're going against Alabama, LSU, and Georgia now. Yeah, yeah, and Florida State. You know, they're picking up. So yeah. if they start getting those kids back like they did back when Bowden was there, that just makes it even harder for Napier. So. Well, if they ever upgrade, look, I'm gonna tell you that if they if Florida State ever upgrades their facilities, yeah, they're gonna be hard to deal with. I, I think a lot of kids don't go there now because uh, you know you guys seen that movie Moneyball, the Oakland A's facility. Yeah. I mean the, that Florida State facility they say is atrocious. Yeah, which is crazy because Tallahassee Hassie is beautiful. It's beautiful down there, but 
Um, all right. Well, how about any sharp plays? Yeah, so we got some college football sharp plays. Uh, so they're on Central Michigan at 14 and a half. Uh, Georgia Tech at seven and a half. Uh, Northern Illinois is at eight and a half. Uh, UMass at 35, like I said earlier. And uh, they're on Sam Houston at plus 20. I don't know nothing about Sam Houston, but, uh, you know, there, there's a theme to the, to if you notice, and you're going to see this every week, there's a theme to these sharp bets. You know, they're going to be on the plus points almost 90% of the time. So that's Sam Houston. So this is their first year, you know, from FCS. And, like, when they made the those opening lines, BYU was like 24-point favorite or something like that. And it's yeah. got bet all the way down. Just money just keeps coming in. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I don't know anything about Sam Houston, but uh, I know some sharp guys that are that are that are taking those that are on Sam Houston. Before we get out of here, can you just give us a w- quick synopsis about what's going to happen when South Carolina and UNC, they when they go head to head on Saturday evening? What do you think? How many points do you think is going to be scored running clock or not? I, you know, I, I don't. I, there's gonna be a civil war down there. Is what it's gonna be? Uh, they were hey, they were talking about. They're trying to figure out who has the right just to wear Carolina on their sweatshirt. Right. So, so you see, they're already fighting about that. I mean, you you know, you're gonna need a bulletproof vest to go out in the tailgate. Uh, so, I mean, uh, look, I don't know. I mean, that 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 game can either be very very close, or it can be uh, you know, one team can blow out the other one. So. Uh, I typically, as a better, I, I typically avoid situations like that just because of, I just don't know. Well, before we get out of here, we got to know what's on the menu because I got all these guys watching the TikToks and stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, you-, uh, you know, that's look, that's probably my most asked question. I mean, you, you would not believe how many direct messages I get of people, women, people. I mean, the people I've never met, they, they, they are real. They're more interested in my food uh, than than anything else that I do. It's just strange how that worked out. But uh, and look, I I told you know I tell everybody, and I'm sincere when I say this. I, I can't. I can cook for me because I can. I can pe- I can put salt on a piece of uh, uh, cardboard, and I you know it tastes all right. As long as you got some butter. Yeah, yeah. It's butter yeah. Salt. so uh, I mean, I, I eat like a billy goat, uh, but, uh, you know, I've, I've kind of learned how to cook a little bit for, for me and my family and my grandkids, and people like it. Uh, this is, uh, I was telling them the other day on V's, and this is, uh, you know, we're, we're at the time of the year where I eat a bunch of wings and hamburgers, just finger food stuff, especially doing while I'm working. Uh, you know, just stuff that, that gets me through the day. And you can you can eat that stuff for two or three hours while you're walking around. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So funny story for you, Carl. When <clears throat> the second time we went back to the bow, Jeff had been talking about the Biloxi steak sandwich for like at least two months. Yeah. And we roll up in there and they change the menu and I thought he was going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> it was a sad day. He was more pissed about that steak sandwich than losing all his guts that week. Yeah, I was more man. It broke my heart, man. I'm the same way, Jeff. I, I mean, you mess with you. You can mess with my ball games, but don't mess with my food, man. <laughs> well, look, tell everybody about your podcast because I, I read where there's going to be a reboot. What's going yeah. on with that? Yeah, so you know, this is something that we've been doing a couple of years now. We got uh, uh, one of the things that we like to say. We actually have. 
10 different countries. You know, on these podcasts, you can see where people are watching you from. So we got 10 different countries that watch us. Uh, you know, Ecuador, India, Germany. I mean, it's, it's crazy uh, the, some of the people where they're at and they watch us. But uh, look, we're, uh, we're all, we're, me and my two partners, Ryan Hyatt and Bill Berman. Bill Berman's in New Jersey. Ryan Hyatt's in West Texas. Uh, you know, we're kind of uh, spread out. Uh, you know, it's hard for us to get together just with what we do for a living. Uh, but yeah, we're going to have a reboot. Uh, you know, we try to, we're so sporadic on our night of the week. Uh, you know, we just try to do the best that we can, but, uh, uh it's called the one more podcast. Uh, you know, you guys, uh, if you get a chance to listen to it, we, we talk sports, we talk food, uh, and just, you know, just general stuff, you know, just BS TV shows, movies, just whatever we would talk about in our living room. That's kind of how we, how we go about it. Yeah, when do you think y'all are going to do the like? I mean, before NFL starts or you know, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll put a show together for before week one of NFL. Um, I actually texted them last night and said, "Hey, you guys ready to do one today?" And uh, Bill's got his fantasy football crew in town in Jersey. Uh, Ryan's ready to go, so uh, it'll be a few days. We'll get one together, and uh, we'll probably focus on NFL football. And SEC football. Last time we saw you, you were about to go on a trip. So how, how was your trip? Did you have a good time? It was good. You know, I, I had uh, about 20 days of vacation time. Uh, you know, it's, uh, I, I try to take it uh, every July, you know, because during the, you know, we're, we're fixing to hit a stretch right now where, you know, I, 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 I won't see two days off for the week probably. Uh, and that'll go until uh, March Madness. So, uh, it's just kind of, you know, you, you get used to that after a while. It, it, people, you, you tell people that and they go, damn, I don't know about that. But uh, it's just a way of life. You get used to it. And uh, we have a lot of fun, though. We, we've been calling September 23rd as must-see TV. There's so many good games going to be on that week, that Saturday. Uh, so we're actually making a trip. We're going to be down at the bow that weekend. So we'll, maybe, we can, uh, maybe we can stop in to see you. Absolutely. If you come down here and don't come see me, I'm gonna be really upset. <laughs> we need a, we need a tea time is what we need. We need to get a tea time. Well, we can do that, y'all. Just give me some notice. Tell me when you come in, what day, and I'll make sure I feed you guys, give you some drinks, and I'll try to take your ass out there and whoop it pretty good on the golf course. <laughs> hey, my, like my boy Josh is a pretty good stick, so. Well, I'm about a four handicap, but Carl apparently was a professional golfer <laughs> in his previous day, so I'm not sure if a four handicap is going to be able to hang with Carl. I, I couldn't play you right now, my friend. I'm I, That, my, 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 you know, I was, I was, I got it down to scratch a couple of years ago when I was playing regular, but I've only played uh, three times in the last two years. Uh, I broke 80, uh, but, uh, you know, I've lost about 20, 25 yards off my, my driver, and uh, I'm a good club and a half sharp with my irons right now. But I can, one thing the old man can do, I can chip and I can put the eyes out of it. There you go. That's that, that course over there is no joke. No, it's not. Fabulous golf course, Fallen Oak. Uh, just, I mean, it's a must play if you're down here. Uh, you guys want to want to go out there, I'll take you out there. But uh, unbelievable track. Uh, greens will run about 14 on the stem, uh, and they're all you can handle. I was watching, I guess it was Saturday, um, on the Lombardi line. And was you, was it Saturday you went and played in some tournament or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I showed up for work to do the show. I had, 
I had a cap on and uh, I was in short pants. Of course, you couldn't see that off, off yeah. camera. But, uh, yeah, I looked absolutely ridiculous at work, but, uh, you know, I had to come in and do the show and then uh, I headed over to golf course. We teed off about about noon and like 112 degree temperature. <laughs> Uh, but I'll tell you something, and I, look, I'm not advertising for these people. I don't even know who makes the damn thing, but this IV in a bottle. Mm-hmm. Liquid IV. IV in a bottle. It, it don't, I mean, it don't taste real good, but that stuff, <laughs> that stuff works. So, uh, so Carl, I got to tell you, we're trying to let you go, but Jeff, holy smokes. So we gave Jeff one of these uh, liquid IVs in a bottle. He's. He took one sip up. He said, hot damn, I should have just swam out in the ocean and opened my mouth. He he ain't lying. That's exactly what it tastes like. Uh, I was going to mention the word goat, but, uh, you know, that's that's exactly what it tastes like. But I'll tell you what, whatever's in that stuff, it works. The the funny thing is we were were literally hanging our heads, sitting in the booth across the street from you at the Waffle House. yeah, we were down there. It was when we were down there when you were on vacation in July. Okay, all right, yeah. Damn. All right, final thing. Don't let us uh, don't let us let you go without giving us your Twitter handle and where to follow you on all your social channels so we can uh, plug you and make sure people follow you. Uh, yeah, you can catch me on Twitter uh, uh, at Jick Jack Johnson. I think is the is my handle. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm right there. You got any questions? Um, I, I try to get to all my direct messages. You know, it might take me a day or so, but I, I get to it and I answer it. Well, Carl, man, we certainly appreciate it. Um, we're honored that you decided and would would be, agree to be our first guest on our pod. This is our ninth ep- episode, so we're indebted to you, man. If there's ever anything we can do, let us know, please. Oh, anytime, guys. Look, you guys, uh, uh, I, I learned this a couple of years ago when we started out. You just be yourself. I mean, that's that's what the people are going to like about you. I, I can't be anything but what I am, and then that's just the way it is. Some people are going to like you, and some ain't. Uh, so uh, just just look at it that way and just try to have fun. Well, it's good to talk to you, man. It's good to see you. Um, we'll, me and Tony will be there in two weeks. I don't know if Chris is going to get it or the 23rd. Yeah, so we'll, we'll be down on the 20, Thursday. The, we're flying in Thursday the 21st, so we'll see All you right, then. Good. All right, man. Y'all have a good one. Thank you, Carl. Thank you, you, Carl. Take care. We will be right back. So let's jump right in for college football week one preview. We got Thursday night games. Uh, The first game is uh, Kent State against Central Florida. You know this is going to be Central Florida's uh, debut. It's their coming out party. Yeah, in the Big 12, right? And the reason why I got this game, why I put this on here, I wanted to talk about it is, you know, this is a Kent State team that we – Briefly touched on when we did our Mac preview. Make sure you guys go back and check out all of our college conference previews that we did um, before the season kicked off. So this uh, this Kent State team is is the team that returns zero starters on offense. Okay. Nice. Did you say zero? Zero. 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 Nada. That could be a problem for a, a senior. Again, check out our Big 12 preview where we talked about how many juniors and seniors that Gus has on this UCF team. Mm. They're they are well experienced. They got the firepower. Again, 
this big spread, 36 and a half. I think it's all the way up to like 38 now. So they've been pounding it, pounding but is it. Gus, is Gus still running that RPO? Is that his thing? Yes. I mean, yeah. is that his it's, it's thing? It's still the same old Gus. So how's that RPO going to play out with this new running clock? I want to see. Because now you've got your first two options or or, or for two of your three options are going to be running plays with the quarterback or, or a handoff. So Especially Gus's quarterback, John Reese Plumley. He loves to run the ball. Yep. So that's why – and, and, you know, we talked about the, the clock running and these big spreads, and now this game's up to 38 points. I mean, that's seven and a half touchdowns. Ooh, and they all have to be scored by UCF. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, it could get ugly, but they could run out of time to cover. If, if, let's just say Kent State gets a turnover and punches one in. UCF might run out of time. Yeah. Or it might be 42 to nothing at halftime, and Gus kind of just calls the dogs off. I, you know, he's been known to so do are, that. Are you staying away from this game? I'm staying away from it. If I had, you know, I would lean to the under just, again, because of the clock. You yeah. know, and, and like yeah. I said, Kent State has zero returning starters on offense. New head coach, new OC. Only four back on defense. Yeah. So Yeah, they're struggling. Yeah. NC State, UConn, what do you think? So, NC State beat UConn last year 41-10. to NC State is returning most of their defense that finished second overall in the ACC and top 20 in several categories in the country. Yeah, NC State's 14-and-a-half favorite on the road. NC State replaces their quarterback, who transferred Devin Leary, left out for Kentucky. They get Brandon Armstrong in from Virginia. He gets to work with his old offensive coordinator from Virginia. But, all that being said... They weren't very good when they were at Virginia. No. With that offensive coordinator and that quarterback. That's right. Exactly. So. And, and UConn is Jim Moore Jr., head coach. He he knows he knows what's going on. He knows how to prepare a team. He's had all offseason to work on this one game. He hit the portal hard too. I don't yep. remember the exact number of players, but I want to say it was like was it There's a bunch. Maybe like nineteen yeah, maybe or something. They they brought in a ton of players off the portal. So I'm not saying that UConn is gonna be a stud this year. But no. I definitely wouldn't wouldn't take a Virginia offense against a UConn team and bet the uh, bet them to cover any spreads. I'm going to take UConn in in the 14 and a half here, and um, I think they keep it close and go into the fourth quarter. And I will be surprised if they win the game. To be honest with you, yeah, so. I'm not I'm not betting on that game, but I would take uh, UConn in the points. You going under the 46 and a half as well? Or? No, 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 I'm not, not going to mess with that. I can see turnovers. Brandon Armstrong is a turnover machine. Okay. So. All right, let's talk about this game of the week, boys. Well, well I was just going to say, let's jump to uh, Chris's favorite team of the year, the uh, Florida Gators versus the Utah Utes. Well, it is uh, news I had here is Cam Rising going to play, but apparently it came out in the news today. Jeff said that Cam Rising is, in fact, not going to play. He's not going to go, man. So that, that line has been fluctuating based mm. on the news on whether or not that cat's in the game. Yeah, I mean, preseason-wise – they come out with Utah as a 10-point favorite, got bet down to 8-9. Then they don't know if Cam's going to play. It goes all the way down to I saw 3.5. We talked to Carl. He said he's got it at 4.5 now. Last night it was 6.5. Yep. Let's move two points. So you talk about getting your bet in at the right time. This oh, is one of those games four. where – I saw it at 4 a, minute, a few minutes ago. Yeah. I looked it back up. Where if you would have played your cards right early, you would have been all right, right? Yeah, if you would you could have jumped on Florida and took them points. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing, man. I know Chris is a little more bullish on Florida than I am. But it's not just Cam not Cam Rising not playing. The tight end, Keefe, they don't think he's going to go either. That's a huge, huge weapon for Utah. But Cal Winningham, the head coach – He's insisting that this is 
best defensive line he's ever had, probably his best defense and his best offensive line. So they're going to run the ball straight at Florida, and we're going to find out. Right, they got monsters over there. We're going to find out how good they are. I think that Florida defense is going to hold strong. I think what you're going to run into is is a low scoring game. Uh, yeah, because Florida, we don't, their offense is unproven. They got a new quarterback. They're coming in trying to get turnover machine. Graham Mertz turnover machine. So Graham Mertz. He cannot do that tomorrow he, night. And he also can't move. No, he, so yeah. he's got to throw from his hula hoop. Yeah, we talked about he, that in our. He's uh, got to stand in his hula hoop. SEC and, podcast negative twenty one net yards in four years at Wisconsin. So, so he I'm is looking not at. Running. Uh, I'm looking at a battle of punters, and uh, I think – I mean, I think you get a low-scoring game. I think you get a 17-21 to 21 game or something, maybe even less. I don't know. And, but I, I wouldn't bet the over-under because I think with uh, Cam rising out, we got – is that a freshman, third-string quarterback to starting? You know, what's this kid – unless he's just a stud that we hadn't heard about or forgot about out of high school. Um, I just don't see it. I don't see them being able to pull it off. Um and there's a couple more factors. So you you think with the hurricane, Florida left today, flew to Dallas, practice in Dallas, staying in Dallas overnight, and then flying to Utah in the morning. Mm, okay, that's a lot. You got that. Plus you got the altitude. You're getting them boys out of Florida. Them 350 pounders. Breathe. I'm telling you, you know, people don't think about that kind of stuff, but. Yeah. It matters. Altitude, altitude. And and look, we're already – we're not even sure about the depth on Florida's defensive line anyway. We kind of outlined that too. We – you know, if they can't get them guys in and out, and and Utah – if they – if they Utah can establish the run. If they can dominate the line of scrimmage. Dominate the line of scrimmage, keep Florida's defense out there. That could be a problem. But even doing that, what are you going to get? You're going to get a 14-3 to three half? I think press, it's a low-scoring so game. 28-6-ish. to six ish. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm still up in the air on it. It all depends on Florida's offense. Can they run the ball? Can they can they establish, create some first downs, and, and control some of the clock? Yeah, they that, got some running backs there. Down so, too, so. Yep. Um, I'm not touching the line. I'm actually thinking Florida's going to keep it closer than most people. I think it's going to be a, a really tight game, and Florida may be even be able to pull it out with Cam Rising not playing. I think it's a picket. I, I really I think it's a pick game at this point because there's too many unknowns. So if you're going to bet it, my instinct is to play the under. Yeah, and look, and, and remember this too, guys. Like, this game really, in the grand scheme of things, does not mean anything to Utah. They have to win the Pac-12 to have a shot. Losing to a Florida team, now depending on where Florida ends up at. Now, if they're only a three-win team, then, yeah, that that's going to matter. But if Florida goes on and has a decent season in Utah, let's just say this is the only blemish on their record and they win the Pac-12 again for the third year in a row, then they'll have a shot. So, this this game, yes, they want to win. Sure, I'm not saying they, they can go in there and just throw it away. But Winningham's not going to risk getting everybody hurt and being banged up when conference play starts in two weeks. So, All right. All right. on to Friday. Yeah, Friday, September 1st, we got the Louisville Cardinals versus the Georgia Tech Ramblin' Wreck. Yeah, and this game's actually – it's moving all over the place too now. This total's been bet down to like 48 now. Um, I've heard some really sharp guys – on Georgia Tech and the points. The points that the Sharp guys were making were, yes, Louisville has a great head coach now, but they got a new quarterback. They got a new offensive coordinator. They got to run in a whole new offense. You know, yes, they've had all offseason to work on this, but they're going on the road to a Georgia Tech team who, look, they finished 4-4 four and four to end the year last year, right? So, I don't know. I already have expressed my displeasure for what I think about what Georgia Tech's going to do or whatever, but – 
I would go under this game. I I had under 49 and a half, under 48. Nah, I mean, seven touchdowns beat you. How many touchdowns is Tech going to score? And then there's a one more game on Friday. It's the late game, and it's on the island down there. Uh, Stanford's going to travel to Hawaii. And, and the only reason I wanted to touch on this is just to show people how these lines can go crazy, okay? Stanford come out in the offseason as a 10-point favorite over Hawaii. They took that up and got bet all the way down to Stanford minus seven. That was last week, Stanford minus seven, when Hawaii was about to play Vandy. Now, when Hawaii almost upset Vandy, right, went down to three. Yeah, I mean, Hawaii really surprised me last week. After uh, Vanderbilt beat the brakes off of them last year, I really thought it was going to be a similar story this year, but we did, did too. not happen. Yeah. We did, too. That was Hawaii one of the bets we lost surprising. this week. And Hawaii's now 9-1 in their last 10 games against the spread. So. Hey, listen, I think that Stanford is a shittier version of Vanderbilt, and Vanderbilt only beat Hawaii by a touchdown, so I think Hawaii's got a chance to win this game. Yeah. Uh, they're yeah they did at home too yeah yeah they yeah yeah now look the travel you know coming back you know they spent all week out there in Nashville going back to Hawaii of course they got all the other stuff they're dealing with over there but Vandy beat them by a touchdown and Hawaii threw two picks but I just wanted to to let people know if if you see something you like do not wait to bet it get it you could have yep. you could have had you could have had Hawaii plus ten or Hawaii plus seven and now you'll have to settle for either a three three and a half or four just wherever you're at so yeah. And that eight and one versus uh, the spread, like nine Jeff said, nine and one now, yeah, yeah, nine and one After versus the uh, against the spread over the last nine games. That's critical. So uh, Hawaii looks like a good bet there. Real quick, I want to jump back to Thursday because I, I forgot which day it was on. One thing I want to touch on: Nebraska, Minnesota. Oh yeah. All right, Nebraska, Minnesota. You got Minnesota favored by seven. I think Nebraska is going to come out kind of strong. I think Nebraska is going to come out with a little chip on their shoulder. I think they got something to prove. I don't think Nebraska is going to beat Minnesota necessarily, but I think it'll be a close game. Uh, the Nebraska's got uh, they've got a freshman Malachi Coleman 6'4", 190 pound he was the number one player in Nebraska last year coming out of high school I'm looking to see him make an impact out of the gate so I, I think that that's uh, I think taking Nebraska in the points is a solid bet on that game right there I will throw a little nugget in here so Nebraska hasn't won an opening weekend game since 2019 I like it I like it the odds are my favorite then so you're saying they're due the odds of them doing it again. May the odds forever be in your favor. That's right. Thank you. All right. Captain Jumping into the main slate on Saturday, September 2nd. Let's talk about this uh, Eastern Carolina versus Michigan game. Yeah, Michigan will be without their fearless leader, Jim Harbaugh. He's got to quit Got to quit buying difference. them hamburgers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and they're still a huge favorite. You know, 36 and a half. It's probably even more than that now. You got your toll at 51 and a half, and I'm just wondering, will will East Carolina even be able to score against that defense? Because one thing Michigan does have, they do have a defense now. Maybe not against TCU, but but they got a defense for schools like Eastern Carolina now. Yeah, they're going to keep the game plan simple. They're just going to pound the ball with Corum and Edwards, it seems like, and they're not going to be stopped. No, they're going to run down the throat. I got Michigan 41 zip. I got yeah. playing the under, playing the under. spread. That's, yep. All right, moving right along to the Colorado TCU game blowout. Uh, uh, so I don't, I wouldn't be surprised here if Colorado wins this game. I got to be <laughs> honest with you, Chris. <laughs> look, as my old friend used to say, if you look good, you feel good. If you feel good, you play good, and if you play good, you get paid good. And I think Dion's about to get paid versus this TCU team. I think he's going to come out and, and and just show off and just win this game. Well, I guarantee you his contract said he's going to get paid good whether they win or lose. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'll give my opinion on this when we go to our pick section. <laughs> All, right. All right, fair enough. Moving on. Akron and Temple. 
Yeah, so this this game here, um, it, it's 10, and I've seen the, the totals been fluctuating anywhere from 52 up to 56. So I got it right here at 54 and a half. Um, these are two teams that Akron, terrible last year, you know, dead last in the MAC. They, they do have explosiveness on offense. Temple, they can't stop anybody, okay? But guess what? They can score. You know, Temple's uh, QB is Kurt Warner, son. Did not know that. Yeah, he can sling it too now. He can sling it too. So they're going to score some points. There's going to be some. There's going to be some fireworks in this game. All right, moving on. Uh, UMass versus Auburn. Jeffrey, this is your squad. What do let's you got? Just, let's skip this and move on to Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> this is your 2010 national champion Auburn Tigers going to open the season. War damn eagle under new tutelage of head coach Hugh Freeze. Thank you very much. This game right here, you know, Auburn huge, huge. 35-point favorites, up to 37.5. Seen it as high as 38.5 this week. You got your total right there sitting at 52.5. I'm going to give you some little details about the quarterback for UMass. Tyson Pumachan was a Clemson. Four-star kid, went to Clemson. Didn't get any playing time. Ended up going to Tech just for a hot minute and transferred up to UMass, which is he's from that area. So Last week against New Mexico State, he was 10-17, uh, 192 yards, zero touchdowns. He carried the ball 17 times for 96 yards with a touchdown. So automatically, Auburn, their defense, suspect all last year, they got to be able to contain the edges, right? Well, he's the only offense they got. That's all, that's all so they got. So all they got to do is focus on him. They got to. So I look for uh, Jacquez Hunter, our running back, to have a big day. Shane Hooks in the red zone. He's the kid out of um, North Texas. So we'll see, you know, but I wouldn't I wouldn't lay the points with this. Again, going back to this clock thing. No, Auburn's got the talent to match up on the outside, man up on those yeah. on those receivers and then put everybody in the box yeah. and shut this kid down. I, You're staying away from this one too? No, it's a it's a dead under game for me. Seven and a half touchdowns. I don't I don't think you're gonna see it. And plus I don't think Hugh Freeze is gonna go out there and do nothing stupid either, knowing that he's got the SEC schedule coming up here pretty soon. So I think you go UMass in the points. I think you get a thirty eight to ten game. I think UMass does squeak a few points in there, maybe a late touchdown after a field goal early and I can uh, see it. 38-10 is what I'm picking. I'm taking I can see it. with uh, UMass in the points. All right. Fair enough. Uh, University Tennessee Martin versus UGA. Go <laughs> dogs. 45 and a half and 56 as the total. Big numbers. Ooh. Big numbers. You know, I'm calling upset alert right now. Upset alert. On the on the spread or? Are we still talking about the UGA the game? spread or straight up? <laughs> yeah. I got a bet yeah. for you. Upset alert my ass. Yeah. This is going to be uh, – This is. I'm going to be looking to bet Georgia in, in the first half, if not the first quarter, just depending on how crazy that number is. I I think Carson Beck's going to go out there and boom, boom, I think boom, he's going to show boom. out, yeah. He wants yeah. to show out early. He wants to prove a point. He wants to prove everybody that he can he can pick up the slack where Stetson is gone now. Uh, I think we talked about this game a ton in our dog show podcast, and I think uh, uh, if you're listening to this, go jump on there and take a listen to that as well. I've got uh, Georgia 49-3. I think they're going to be – I wouldn't touch the I wouldn't touch no. the line, but I think they're going to slide yeah. under just a little bit. I mean, yeah. the, the unknown's in the second half. What does Kirby do? Does he does he pump the brakes? I mean, we that's that's the problem with this type of game. Yeah, yeah. Tennessee beat them by 41 last year. I just don't see uh, University of Tennessee Martin being able to score on that defense. But no, Well, especially with replacing their quarterback and their running back. And, I mean, they're, the whole offense is getting remade for UT Martin, so – all right, let's jump into this uh, Nevada versus USC game. Obviously, uh, USC won handily last week, uh, but the defense struggled a little bit. So, uh, what do you guys got here? Yeah, the total, uh, the spread's up to 40 now. 
Southern California, they're up to 40 in the total, sitting there at 66. If you're going to bet on USC, or on a USC game, I should say, bet the over. Last year, they were 11-3 and to the over. After this game last week, now they're 12-3 and in their last 15 games to the over. I wouldn't lay 40 points with them, no, no matter who they're playing. But I definitely, I, I'd look to the over every time until until they can until the odds makers say they hang like a 78 up there or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think I think Nevada's a turd. I got I got USC maybe like 58, 17, roughly somewhere yeah. in there. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to be close. I, I'm not going to bet it. I'm not going to bet the over. But if I was going to bet this game, it would be over. If if I had, you know, if I'm going to look at a USC game to play on, it's going to be on the over. So moving on, Washington State versus Colorado State. Yeah, very interesting game here for a lot of guys. I know there's a lot of sharp players who who took uh, Colorado State early in the year. They were able to get plus 14 on this game when the line come out, and you see it's been bet all the way down to Washington State minus 11 and a half. Total of 54 and a half. I like the under in this game. Colorado State's 9-2 and two to the under in their last 11 games. They're 6-2 and two in their last eight games against the spread. They covered the last four. They have a total revamped offensive line that was god-awful last year. I'll, I'll speak a little bit more on that when we get to our pick section. All right. Uh, New Mexico versus Texas A&M, Jeff. We know you're high on Texas A&M. Yeah, I'm high on uh, Bobby Petrino and the boys. Um, but this is another massive, massive spread. 38 and a half, total of 49 and a half. To me, if you're going to bet a game like this, you you correlate, you do a correlated parlay. You, you take the dog in the under or you take the favorite in the over. Because you figure if you're betting on the dog, it's going to be close, right? They're going to keep it, they're going to keep it close. Yep. And there probably won't be a lot of points scored. Not with a massive line, like not with a massive spread like that. And then if you're going to bet on the favorite, well, you want them to score every time they get the ball. Agreed. Agreed. All right, and then the uh, kind of marquee game, if you want to call it that. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is this next game is like the game of the day, right? Yeah, for Saturday, for sure. Uh, you got South Carolina Gamecocks versus UNC, the old Drake May versus Spentler Rattler show off. Uh, May lost his uh, wide receiver Josh Downs last year, but he's got the incoming transfers Nate McCollum and Tez Walker to help ease the pain. Uh, they last played in 2021 in the Duke's Mayo Bowl, which the Gamecocks won 38-21. to and the Gamecocks have won four of the last five matchups, but I've got UNC in this one. Yeah, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give my opinion when we get to the pick section on this. I know Tony's high on South Carolina, so uh, Middle Tennessee State versus Roll Tide again. We have another huge point spread, 39 and a half. I've seen it all the way up to 41 in some spots. Total of 51 and a half. Listen, Alabama has been a first half juggernaut as far as covering spreads or at least they were up till last year the prior three or four years before that they were covering every first half spread they couldn't they couldn't make the number big enough i think maybe that might continue in this game at least in the first half i think they're going to run the ball just don't know if miss if middle tennessee state can can stop them they don't match up with them that's for sure yeah i mean i've got bama by a thousand but it will be interesting to see uh, what they do in the quarterback situation. Obviously, they got Jalen Milrow, Tyler Buckner, and Ty Simpson. I see them playing all three of them, kind of getting a feel for where they're at. But, uh, again, how much passing will actually be required or needed versus this Middle Tennessee State uh, University team? They're probably just going to pound the rock and just win easily and control the clock. 45-7, Bama rolls. 
stays under. I, you know, I, I just I, and again, that's because MTSU gets a late touchdown. Well, look, so two we, minutes left in the game, prevent I, defense. I know I've said this a hundred times, and I'm gonna say it again. This running clock. If Bama does what we think they're gonna do, run the ball, right? right. They're gonna eat the clock up. Yeah, they're gonna eat the clock up. And how how are they gonna get seven and a half touchdowns? Where's it gonna come from? Well, I'm looking at it, and I guess the score of the game. Right and right here, I've got forty-five-seven, which is fifty-two, and I look at this, the over/under fifty-one and a half. That tells me that I'm too close in my guess to even mess with it. Fair enough. All right, West Virginia versus Penn State. Yeah, Penn State twenty and a half point favorites, fifty and a half. This game to me, I lean to the under probably more than anything in this game. Um, I, I've heard, I've read reports, I've, I've read stories about Neil Brown. You know, this is. This is if he can't get it done this year, he's going to be fired from West Virginia. He's lucky he didn't get fired last year, so he's going to simplify everything and and he's going to try to control the clock. He he wants to get back to running the ball like he did when he was at Troy. He wants to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Now the only problem with that is in this game is that defense for Penn State they're for real. Yep, they're for real. Now West Virginia they have a pretty good they have a pretty good defense. They're not up to the standards of Penn State. But again, Penn State, they never poured on anybody. Ever. Ever. So they're gonna they're gonna showcase the freshman, Drew Aller. Let, let's see what he can do. But I lean under in this game. And, and if it was to go to twenty one, I would I would take the points. I like it. All right, moving on to Sunday, September third, which is the probably matchup of the entire weekend. Uh no LSU this versus FSU. College football uh, Sunday. This is a season-defining game. Yeah, it is. I mean, is. I've got LSU winning the West. I got Jalen Daniel or Jaden Daniels right up there in the uh, Heisman run. So I think LSU takes this one. They're going to have to stop the run. Uh, FSU is going to have to put some pressure on Jaden Daniels, but I think LSU just outlasts them in the end with a critical stop or two that seals the game. They got a lot of weapons over there. They got a lot of weapons. I highlighted the tight end Mason Taylor here. That's Jason Taylor's son. For people who don't know, how about that shit? So. He come on at the end of the year there. Um, that's just another weapon to go with Malik Neighbors and, and the other receivers that Daniels has at his disposal. They have a solid offensive line. Now there's going to be questions on the defense. The defensive backs, again, they gave up too many yards last year. You know, they went from being DBU to DB hoop. And I don't know if that changes, but we're going to find out because Jordan Travis is going to test them. I think it changes. I think they out-athlete them. And I think they out. The, I think they're going to be more physical on the defensive backfield on the outside. I think the the skill position players for LSU are going to be physical. And uh, I don't know, man. I think LSU beats them by double digits. You know, LSU the uh, defensive tackle um, Mason Smith. He's going to have to sit out this game for signing autographs last year, or actually, I think it was two years ago. Um, the NCAA just levied the suspension last week. Yeah, I saw some article today, which I don't know how much truth is in it, but I heard they were LSU was trying to schedule a week zero game so that yeah, he could sit out that. that game and be back for this one. Yeah, and he missed most of the year. You know, he's we highlighted that last week. He um he was celebrating in the Florida State game last year, the first game of the year, celebrating, and he come down and tore his knee up. So he didn't even get to play, you know, majority of the year. So he was looking to have a big breakout season here, and, and he's a hoss, you know. And then today – uh, running back uh, Earl Brian Kelly said that he wasn't gonna get to play. So now they had him third on the depth chart, but he he's a hoss too. So yeah. mm. you know, it, but see well. when I hear things like that, it just kind of I, I kind of get a little 
okay, what is going on here now? You know, one after another after it's, it's just bad vibes. So, and I don't know if weather's going to play a factor. It shouldn't, right? They're playing in Orlando. It should all be gone. Yeah, it's going to be good. It's gone now. But the total's falling. That's something. It, it's it's all the way down. I saw it as, as low as fifty four and a half today. Ooh. Now yeah. I don't know if that was just a lot of people steamed it because of this hurricane, thinking you know, and it could very well go back up. But yeah, right. Yeah. I'm thinking thirty eight twenty four LSU. I'm going with some extra points and uh, a double digit win. All right. I'll give my opinion. <laughs> Jeff's Jeff's keeping us on the seat of our pants. Uh, all right, so finishing up the Labor Day weekend, Monday, September fourth, we got Clemson at Duke. Yeah, Cade Klubnick. All eyes will be on him and Riley, the quarterback for Duke, who might be the best quarterback on the field that night. It's a big, big game for Duke. You know, after the year they had last year, they won a lot of close games. You have to wonder about that going into this year, and then Clemson. You know, they've got to get it together. We, we're all predicting them to, to have a really good year over there. But they're laying 13 on the road, total at 55 and a half. I kind of lean to the under. I think Clemson's defense. Yeah, I think I think Clemson's defense is too strong and too yeah. fast for Duke. I do yep. too. Yep, agreed. I think the Clemson defense is going to wear them down. Uh, Clemson has won five in a row and 10 of the last 11. Uh, and, yeah, I think uh, we all agree that Clemson's going to probably be in the college football playoff at the end of the year winning the ACC. So. Yep. All right, perfect. So let's uh, – you guys ready to jump into our week one picks? Yeah, how do we how do we do last week, man? I was two and two, two missed field goals, and Vandy just – Vandy, terrible. I was two and oh. I had Notre Dame to cover, and I had USC to win big but not cover. Yeah, last week on the pod picks, I was uh, two and two. I had a I had a loss on the total of fifty and a half. I went over fifty and a half in Navy and Notre Dame, and two missed field goals cost me that one. Uh, hit the under on UTEP and Jacksonville State. That was that total was fifty four and a half, and they scored thirty one points in that game. I had the under in Ohio against San Diego State. That I, spread. I was surprised Ohio after talking about Ohio. I really thought they were just going to show up. Quarterback got hurt. Yeah, Chris was high on Ohio. They'll but. still do well in the MAC. Yeah, quarterback got no. hurt. They, I mean, once the quarterback got took Toledo. that hit, that was it. I mean, that San was Diego it. State's San Diego State. Team. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah they, uh, they scored a total of thirty-three points in that game. I had under forty-eight and a half, and then I had Vandy minus seventeen and a half in a quote-unquote get-right game. And yeah, they got right. All right, got right into my pocketbook. <laughs> Solid as a ball of hot wax. That's right. That's yeah. right. I'm two and zero oh on the week. Uh, on week zero, I got Notre Dame uh, covering big because I knew Navy was a hotbed of garbage. So then uh, USC, I had them winning big, but I knew they were going to uh, open up the gates for uh, San Jose State to walk on into the end zone quite a few times, and I, I picked them to not cover in that as well. All right, Jeff, the uh, sayer of all things betting. Why don't you give us our uh, week one pod picks and who you're going with? Do you want to go last, Jeff? Yeah, I'll go last. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't have any. You don't tea. have any, Josh? No, you got I, any tea? I have got a couple. Um, I've got South Carolina winning. Um, got Florida winning, and I have LSU winning. So you're, you're taking South Carolina plus two and a half? Yep. Florida plus four? Yes. And LSU minus two and a half. All right. I'm going to follow that up a little bit. I agree with T. Uh, I think LSU is going to cover. I think they're going to cover by a lot more than two and a half because I do not buy into the Florida State Seminole hype. We'll soon find out if any, if if we're right or wrong on that. 
Um, I'm taking Nebraska plus seven. I don't think Minnesota can cover. I think Nebraska's going to come back, play hard. Um, I think that uh, I, I think Clemson covers this week, so I'm taking Clemson to cover. Uh, that's the uh, and then I got TCU to cover. So I got LSU to cover. I got Clemson to cover. I got TCU to cover. And then the two dogs I'm taking, I'm taking UMass and 35 against. It's more than that. You'll get more than that. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. If it keeps moving, I'll take all they'll give me. And I'm taking Nebraska at seven. So I got uh, two dogs and three favorites. Well, I've only got one that I'm going to mention this week, and that's the uh, Colorado and uh, 21. I'm going to take that 21 points in Colorado and watch Neon Dion do some work. You only so. said that because I said TCU is going to cover. Hey, it's uh, it's actually 20 and a half now. Yeah. Okay. It's so. come it's come down a little bit. Come that's down. even better. Yeah. yeah, baby. Give it to me. I'll Give take it all. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Georgia <laughs> as well there what, what? just because I'm a Georgia dog. And, hey, man. So you're going to lay the 45 and a half? Jeff, so – I. We talked a little bit, again, in our podcast last week about Georgia went deep because we're all dog fans here. But um, you had me, so I thought they were, I'm thinking they're going to take Carson back out second, third quarter, but you have got me fully convinced now that he's going to want to see a little bit of that Bobo playbook. He's going to want to keep Carson back in there a little bit longer. And, uh, yeah, so I think Carson Beck stays in until early fourth quarter, and I think they do work. I mean, I think he needs to, I think he needs to work. You know, he he needs to get involved in that playbook and you know that's just an auburn guy's opinion but and somebody betting on him on the heisman so you know i hope he throws for seven touchdowns and 800 yards but yeah you and me both my picks for week one we're going to start thursday night 7 30 cbs sports north carolina state travels to yukon i'm gonna take yukon huskies plus the 14 and a half or nine and four against the spread yukon's got nine offensive starters back eight on defense Taquan Robinson, they got him out of Penn State last year. He tore his ACL up, quarterback. He's back this year. Veteran line, they got three running backs. Jim Moore likes to control the clock. Meanwhile, NC State, 4-9 against the spread. They gave up 127 points on the road. They got a new OC, a new quarterback, and their number one target, wide receiver, left to go to West Virginia. So, if NC State wins this game, they're going to have to win it closely. But I think they might be on upset alert. Second pick of the week, Friday night, 7 o'clock, ACC Network, Miami, Ohio versus the U. 17 and a half with Miami, Ohio. Uh, Miami, Ohio returns seven starters on offense, nine on defense. Their quarterback, Brett Gabbert, Gabbert, he's back. They got another quarterback in Avion Smith who played the last four or five games last year. He's a runner, so if they get in a tight spot, the the kid can run the ball. Meanwhile, the Hurricanes are 6-16 and 16 against the spread as a double-digit favorite, 5-15 and 15 in their last 20 against the spread. Their QV, Tyler Van Dyke, apparently he has a hurt thumb on his throwing hand. He got it caught up in one of his defensive linemen's mask. They're not, they're not saying he's not going to go, but I can imagine that uh, that's not going to be a good thing. He's going to be 100% if he goes. And his backup, Ja'Cory Brown's a sophomore. He only has two starts. So – Miami is uh, again. We if y'all go back and listen to our ACC preview, you'll hear everything you want to hear. I'm not. I'm not on that hurricane train. So I'm gonna take the 17 and a half. Then my next pick is gonna be Saturday at 12 o'clock. Colorado at TCU. TCU minus 20 and a half. Going with them. I think Colorado will keep it close early. No, but interesting take. But the defense. It's just full of holes, and he has no depth. 
Prime's got no depth on that defense, and TCU and Sonny Dykes will wear them out. It will flat out wear them out. He'll throw and throw at Morris. The quarterback will throw and throw and throw. He's going to have a big day. By the end of the third quarter, TCU will be up by four touchdowns and Del Cruz. Yeah, 45-10 is what my pick on that. Yeah. Then my next pick, Saturday, 3.30 ESPN, UMass at Auburn. Auburn 37.5, total of 52.5. I'm going under. Um, Tyson Pumacha, the QB for UMass, they're going to make him one-dimensional. The defense for Auburn, they have to contain the edges. They got a solid back. The DBs are solid back there, so they're going to shut them down. Uh, the only real threat might be wide receiver Simpson for them, but that's not even a threat. Um, I look for Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford both to get playing time. Um, Jaquez Hunter, Damari Austin, the sophomore running back, he's going to have a big game. Not even sure if, if they're going to let Hunter play yet. And there's still questions about that. He's still number one on the depth chart, but there's still questions if he's even going to get to play. Um, you got a wide receiver, Hooks, who is a senior out of Jackson State. I think I said North Texas earlier, but he's out of Jackson State over there with Dion. So when Dion went to Colorado, he wanted to come over there to Auburn. So that's good. We got Jair Shorter, who's a senior out of North Texas. He's a playmaker. Um, I think the real mismatch to watching this game, number 99, Jason Jones, 6'6", 340. He's our nose tackle. He's going up against Josh Atwood. Terrible. Josh Atwood was – he's the center. He was terrible last week against New Mexico State. I don't know how he's going to control that big monster. So, I look it's for this – going to be devastation up front yeah. for UMass. I look for this to be low-scoring game, or I say low-scoring low UMass. If they get to 10, good for them. My next pick, Saturday evening, 7 o'clock, CBS Sports. Washington State against Colorado State. Washington State's 11 and a half, total of 54 and a half. I'm going under. Colorado State averaged 13.2 points a game, 4.5 yards per game, failed to score 20 points in any game last year. They were 1 and 11 to the under. Their last eight games, the total was only 46, and they still went under. <laughs> Colorado State, the one thing about their defense is they got a great passing defense, and they can rush the passer. So, Cam Ward for Washington State, that's that's what he does. He throws the ball. So, I think this game is going to be a low-scoring game, and I'm going to take the under 54-and-a-half. Again, back to the running clock, guys. It only stops twice. Right two minutes for the first half and the last two minutes of the game. Mm. And, you know, of course, incomplete and out of bounds. But we're going under in that game. The next pick will be Saturday night, 7.30 ABC. Gamecocks against the Tar Heels. UNC's two and a half, total of 64 and a half. I'm going over. Ooh. South Carolina defense only returns four starters. Their top two defensive ends transferred. This is a defense that they were number 92 in points per game. They gave up 420 and a half yards, number, good for number 98. They gave up 202 yards rushing. And the UNC defense gave up 31 points a game and 437 yards a game. I think Spencer Rattler is going to have a – what he's probably going to be able to do whatever he wants to do, and I think Drake May is going to be able to do whatever he wants to do. Track meet. Yeah. Yeah. Track meet. Then my next game, Sunday evening at 7.30, LSU at Florida State. I got LSU minus two and a half, and I got the game going over. You know, we see so many times in these games now 
these these two teams, you know, you think defense, you think defense, and you got two Heisman hopefuls here, and they're going to score points. Mike Norvell scores points. Brian Kelly knows how to score points. The the weapons that, that Daniels has, neighbors, Thomas, tight end, Taylor. He's got a couple of running backs. Can Florida State, can there, is their defensive line, their defensive ends, are they good enough to beat that offensive line with LSU? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I don't think so. So, you know, FSU was 0-3 last year against ranked opponents, and they gave up 84 points in those losses. And so, I don't think much is going to change this year for them. I don't either. I don't believe I really the hype. And then I got I got two bonuses. I'm going to call them uh, – I'm going to try to give you all at least one of these a week. These are called my blowout picks of the week. Arkansas State at Oklahoma. Oklahoma 36, 58 and a half. Oklahoma's offensive coordinator, Jeff Levy, as a double-digit favorite, he's 11-5 against the spread. He averages 47 points. Quarterback, Dylan Gabriel, he's a Heisman hopeful too. He'll have a big game. Oklahoma's defense should be able to create a little bit of havoc against an undermanned Arkansas State team. Arkansas State was outscored 313-162 to 162 in their nine losses last year. They have a terrible offensive line. Their quarterback, they got the transfer out of Colorado and J.T. Strout. He threw for 1,200 yards, seven touchdowns, and eight interceptions. Had a QBR of 25.2, good for 121st. Arkansas State and Butch Jones got some major problems. Then I got one more blowout of the week for y'all. That's Saturday at 3.30 on ESPN. South Florida goes to Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky's 11.5, total of 70.5. I'm going Western Kentucky minus 11.5. Let me read y'all these defensive stats for South Florida. They returned nine starters. They gave up 43.1 points per game, good for 130th out of 131 teams last year. Gave up 526 yards a game, good for 131st. 7.6 yards per play, good for 131st. 241 rushing yards per game, good for 131st. 6.4 yards per rush, good for 131st. 285 passing yards, good for 126th. 73.1 completion rate. Good for 131st. Nine and a half yards passing per attempt. Good for 130th. Third down conversion rate was 127th in the nation. And their best player, running back, Brian Batty, is now on the plains at Auburn. He leads with 1,200 yards and eight touchdowns. Well, I so, say their defense is consistent. Remind me, remind me how many teams they are. Consistently sucks. Well, last year there was 131. Now there's 133 because Sam Houston and Jacksonville. State come up, so or Jackson wow. State. <laughs> so we're going to go Western Kentucky minus 11 and a half. Their quarterback, Austin Reed, threw for four, 4,744 yards last year, 40 touchdowns. He rushed for 224 yards with eight touchdowns. Wide receiver Mal- Malachi Corley, 101 receptions, 1,293 yards, and 11 touchdowns. They're going to light him up. Goodness gracious, great balls of fire. That's what we got. All right, so let's roll right in here to this week's Stay in the Truck Awards. So I'm going to kick us off. Last Saturday, ESPN College Game Day. We love the College Game Day. Analysts Desmond Howard, Pat McAfee, Kurt Herbstreit, they all made their picks for the year, and every one of them had Alabama Crimson Tide to win the SEC on Saturday. That's fine, and that's not really the gripe that I have. My gripe that I have is with Desmond Howard. Um, you know, he's a big Michigan fanboy. He didn't even have Georgia making it to the playoffs. 
which is just crazy because Georgia's double-digit favors in every game they're playing this year. So my stay in the truck this week, Desmond Howard, stay in the truck. Oh, by the way, he picked Texas A&M to win win the national championship last year. All right, perfect. Well, my uh, stay in the truck award this week goes to Venus Williams. Now, I love Venus Williams. Love some tennis. But, look, we get it. You were once the best player in the world. You won the U.S. Open back in 2000 and 2001. But now you're dealing with a knee injury. You're 43 years old. You're still coming into these grand slams. You've lost in the first or second round in each of the last 12 grand slam appearances. And you were defeated 6-1-6-1 by a qualifier into the U.S. Open tournament, her most lopsided loss ever. So, love Venus Williams, love what she used to do in the past, but I think it's time to hang them up. So, Venus Williams, stay in the truck. Stay in the truck. All right, so my stay in the truck this week goes out to those two clowns in Colorado that jumped onto the baseball field and bum-rushed Ronald Acuna. Uh, Man... First of all, you're talking about the league MVP. One guy went out and kind of hugged on to him, holding on. But the other guy actually went out a little bit aggressive, like mm-hmm. he was trying to take a shot. So uh, my stay in the truck is actually it's a combination of stay in the truck. It goes out to the shitty security staff that couldn't get to these guys before they got to Ronald. And then uh, these two guys for just being complete turds and, and rushing the field. It's not called for. Leave those guys out there to be professionals and let them do what they do. So you two bums. And you slow-ass security guards, stay in the truck. Stay in the truck. Stay in the, in truck. the truck. Well, mine is something I've harped on this whole podcast. The NCAA? That damn running clock. <laughs> Listen, this is not the NFL, okay? We can go look at college baseball. Why don't they use wood bats there instead of, you know, instead of, well, it's not Major League Baseball. College football is not the NFL. No matter how much they want to make it, no matter how much they want to pay them, whatever, it's not the NFL. I enjoy watching six extra plays on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, okay? Or eight extra plays or whatever it is. I enjoy the way that the offenses get to move up and down the field, the way the coaches control what's going on out there. This running clock, even from a better standpoint, it's terrible. I hate it. Let us have our college football and let the pros be pros. It's that simple to me. You know, I – I don't know what they're, you know, whether they speed up the games to what show more commercials. You know, playing devil's advocate here, as a as a as an athlete, and and the way they've extended the college football schedule, and the wear and tear that football puts on you, and then the possibility of going to um, the bracket, the twelve team bracket. Mm-hmm. You know, you take some of these top teams, and and you take over the course of a season, they play twelve games. And then if they go into a bracket and have to play, you know, you've got you've got college kids at this point playing 14, 15, 16 games. No. So, you know, I agree with you. I don't like it because I want to see more of my team or whatever good game is on. I want to see it last longer. But from a from a, a health and safety standpoint, I think it might have some long term positive effects. Yeah. Well so. it could. But it's screwing up all Jeff's uh, bet numbers here. So <laughs> hey, definitely just, got me last. Yeah, just wanted to point out the Damn. other side of the of the spectrum. So yeah, time clock, stay in the truck. NCAA rules committee, get your head out of your ass. NCAA, stay in the truck. Stay in the truck. That's it for this week's show. We really appreciate you tuning in. Please remember to like, subscribe, and leave us some comments. Let us know how we're doing. Stay in the truck. <laughs> <laughs>